Look at my hair starting to look like Prince's drummer from the Revolution. It's kind of <laughs> Doctor Z. No, is that Doctor no. Z? Yeah, is right. It? No, no, Doctor Fink is the Doctor Fink. Bobby Z. Bobby Z. Yeah, because this is my new comb over. But if I don't have it combed over anything, if it comes forward, it then looks like Bobby Z. <laughs> <laughs> so I got it forward today. Bobby Z. Right, continued on after the revolution, didn't he? I'm trying to remember. I listened to the. Prince podcasts about uh, 1999 and Sign of the Times, and I believe Bobby Z was part of the post-revolution band. When I took my tour of Paisley Park, the, it was by a woman who, when she was in high school, she would hang around like the, I don't know what it would be, the AMPM or the Whiteham Pantry or whatever the equivalent was near in Chanhassen. Or maybe they had a friend that worked there or something, but something, they would see Prince's bodyguards come in to buy like pop, soda pop and chips. And then they'd be like, is there a party at Paisley Park tonight? And they'd be like, yeah. And so then they'd just show up and go to the party. Wow. Because <laughs> Prince would throw these open parties for anybody who could figure out that there was a party. Did you ever go to one of those parties, Chris? No. No? I, <laughs> no, I wish. I wasn't in Minneapolis. Are you sure? Did you just forget? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Did you ever hang out in front of a convenience store for hours at a time to go to parties? Other, not necessarily Prince's parties, but to go find a party. Yeah, Whitehead Pantry. We used to hang out. We'd wait for like people to say that <laughs> was going to let us drink beer down in his parents' basement, <laughs> or the Duncan <laughs> Yo-Yo Man was going to show up. <laughs> the Yo-Yo Man. What are you talking about? I remember once the Yo-Yo Man was was appearing at the Whitehead Pantry down the street from our house. Yeah, and we didn't go. We didn't go. <sighs> Can't believe it. Already saw, saw him at the school. You know, That's right. right. Assembly cut into his old his draw. Old, it's like the uh, the uh, WLS van or something showing up at the pool in the seventies. <laughs> I remember that. That yeah. was a big deal in that about nineteen seventy six or something. Yeah, you'd get a Huge. bumper sticker. Is WLS still around? I think so. <laughs> they don't. Sure. Tell, they don't play the top forty anymore, though. <laughs> It's like Rush Limbaugh or something now. I don't know if it's that bad, but I, th I, I, th I think it's... Or is it sports now? I don't know. I have no I idea. Know. Oh, I think it's sports. Whitehand Pantry's always had like a smell to them that was like really <laughs> desirable. It felt to me like the smell came from the refrigerator units, but like it wasn't... It was a pleasant smell. It was like a, it was like a cool, clean smell that made me think about candy and ice cream yeah you know i just read an article about uh how disneyland it has all these white boxes around and they're not speakers they're smell generators they oh yeah shoot out odors oh, yeah. every once in a while that's like a department store thing right yeah all the yeah that's my memory of sears is that it smells like popcorn and that's <laughs> it sears only oh, yeah. smelled like popcorn until the early 70s when they finally realized oh Everything in Sears smells like plastic and popcorn kind of combined. I always noticed it in, yeah, Marshall Fields, Oak Brook. It was definitely, they had something, you know, it was right yeah. at the doors. You'd walk yeah. in and it was just, well, it obviously was everything to all the chemical, all the new things. It's like new car smell. So it's all the toxic, all the new products and things. Yeah. But definitely they, they had something at the entrances that was some kind of that smell. Yeah, the <laughs> 70s plastic. Well, when we built the studio, my son would come down here and just smell and he's like, I just love that new construction smell. I'm like, yeah, it's probably like paint and all this shit you shouldn't be smelling. Exactly. Did I tell you guys that uh, Tom Lost, guest of the show, totaled his car? I got confused when you said Tom, 
because you always call him Thomas, but now Thomas. He's, he's Tom. Yeah. Is he Tom now? <laughs> I thought Tom Lost was kind of a cool name. No, it is. It is, but I was like, who is that? I don't know who Tom Lost is. Some old Some dude that I don't remember. Missing episode. Definitely like, oh, that's a gap in my memory. I'm going to have to... <laughs> Gonna have to just kind of sit back and wait until it becomes obvious, so I can remember the event. But now I realize it's because you're you're calling him Tom and not Thomas. Yeah, Thomas walked away. Everybody walked away. That's great. But guess who doesn't get a new car? <laughs> Me. Guess who blew? Yeah, I guess who Me. blew his only chance to have a free car in life. <laughs> I, I would have killed for my own car. I mean, that, yeah. that's the thing. Like you know, only rich kids have their own car. Or at least that was my perception at the time. But now it's like, you dumb fucker, you blew it. You had your own car. You had your own car. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm trying to keep a 13-year-old car alive for my <laughs> child. 13's pretty young for a car. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. No, I, I know. The older car I sold off and the person who uh, bought it has been driving it around the country. And it's it's working fine. It's amazing. Meanwhile, your fancy electric car has <laughs> bricked right. out twice. Exactly. Has has bricked and locked me in once. Yeah, bricked twice. I got locked in once. It trapped you. It trapped me. Yeah. Like an angry night rider car. An angry kit. We have this term around my house called uh, the wife trap. Because one time my wife was yelling, help me, help me. And I ran upstairs and my wife was trying to carry the baby. You guys remember baby swings? You, know, you kind of oh, crank yeah, them up and the yeah. baby swings. <laughs> and it's kind of got these weird sort of bars that are the feet of it. It's like a like A-frame shape. She had a huge picture frame and a pile of books and this baby swing that she was trying to carry through the doorway it was a perfect storm of stuff that got her caught. And if she tried to, it was perfect. Like if she lifted up the baby swing, it would just tighten the picture frames <laughs> grip on her ankle <laughs> to the doorway. And if she pushed down a little bit on it to try and loosen it that way, it would, it would trap her a different way. And I was like, Oh my God. I like ran up and she was like panicking. I'm like, hold on. And I ran downstairs and I came back up and she's like, what are you doing? Taking a picture? I was like, yeah, this is this is the most amazing trap I've ever seen in my life. So eventually I helped her out of it, but I had to had to take a picture of it because it was so perfect. Yeah, you have to document. Should have like live streamed it. This was before it was Oh, this was a lot. People time. had camera I had a digital camera, but it right. was before the social media was <laughs> in our I would have You would have been, been famous. You, yeah, you could have TikToked it. <laughs> Is that the official verb, TikToking it? I actually was in a meeting today. It was about student engagement, I think. <laughs> that makes me sound like I, I think, uh, I don't know what it was about. <laughs> you weren't very engaged, <laughs> were you? It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't about faculty engagement. It, it, was, it was going over results of a survey from the lockdown, and this administrator said Zoomed out. A lot of the students were Zoomed out, <laughs> and I'd never heard that phrase before, but I wrote it down because I loved it so much. Mm -hmm. It was like, boy, I wish I had that phrase a year and a half ago. <laughs> totally zoomed out. <laughs> yeah, we had a similar discussion today about how people are zoomed out. And a guy had taken two weeks off of Zoom and said it was awesome. <laughs> then I was thinking to myself, as they were all talking about how, like, you know, Zoom is, the, is evil. I'm like, well, I actually booked a, a Zoom football party with my friends on Sunday to watch a football game. And I'm Zooming with my friends tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Zoom, but it's it's a uh -huh. meeting. But 
It's like Band-Aid. It does, yeah, or Kleenex. It's Zoom. Zoom is all video conferencing now, forever. Yeah, good for Zoom. We should have bought that, you know, NFTs and Zoom stock. We would be rich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, apocalypse wealth. <laughs> and on that note, welcome to Lost and Found and Rewound, a podcast that when it ends... Rick and Jim will continue being brothers, playing in bands together, and seeing each other on a regular basis, while I'll go back to rarely seeing them, bound by the fact that this is yet another joyful experience in my life that had to end. Also, considering that at my advanced age, I continue to drink like I'm 22 years old, meaning I physically consume the amount of alcohol I did when I was 22, and that I drink like I'm still trying to bury the horrors of my childhood and the mistakes of my adolescence. This may very well be the last time I spend a significant amount of time with either Rick or Jim, <laughs> let alone the two of them together. I'm Chris Lost. Wow. Uh, I'm found Jim. And I'm hanging from a noose <laughs> in my living room after that intro. Rick... Re- <laughs> Rick Rewound? Yes. Wow, it really is the perfect final episode with Rick messing up his name. I can't believe it. It's it's only been two years. Two years? <laughs> I, <hate this. laughs> I have to check the timeline. I forget how long it's been. I think it was yeah. 18 months last time we checked. Yeah. It's, it's pretty close to two years. Uh-huh. And we never, I mean, we never discussed about continuing after. I mean, it's 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 two years and done. Is was the motto? Is when we started this. It was twelve. Well, it was twelve, 12 episodes. Twelve and done. Said right. Okay. And then Michael made us do the. He complained that we didn't have the primer episodes, so we do the fast forwards as the primers. Right. And then I got the notion we should have a bunch of guests and try and stretch it out till COVID was over. But then you know, we realized COVID was never going to end. So then we we got on with it. So that's how we got to two years. All right. I I just don't, I honestly don't remember. I kind of, the calendar, calendar item comes up and I I show up. So I'll be here next month (laughs) waiting, (laughs) just staring, staring out the window. That's sadder than my intro. Honey, what are you doing there in the dining room, honey? Come on out. It's over. No. No, I'm pretty sure every Tuesday, <laughs> once a month, I should be here. 30 years from now. Exactly. Like in a wheelchair. Exactly. It's like Willie Loman and his waiting for his podcast pals. <laughs> Hope that scenario is 30 years from now and not three. Look, given that this is our last fast forward, I thought I'd start with our classic segment, Something I Learned Today. So, Jim, you can go first. What's something you learned today? Jeez. Um, Rick kind of already shared something, but maybe there's something else. He learned. I don't know. Lifelong learner. There's got to be something. <laughs> I actually can't think of anything I learned. <laughs> I hate these. Either. Like this, this is the kind of thing, like name, name something bad that happened today, and then name something really good that happened today, and then what is one thing you learned today? I, I hate those questions. Oh, yeah. That feels like an ice... It's called an icebreaker. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. When people ask you in meetings, tell, tell us something interesting about yourself. What do you say, Rick? I, I try to avoid those types of meetings. <laughs> I, you know, I don't think I've ever been asked. <laughs> Honestly, I, I'm trying to think if I've ever been put on the spot and, and say something interesting about yourself. I'm trying to think. They're like, you know, we'll skip you, Rick. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. They're like, Mike? You don't have to answer. Or it's like, oh, we forgot, you know, that at the end of the meeting, someone realizes, oh, we forgot. Rick didn't say anything. Usually that's the scenario <laughs> where it's just kind of like somehow I'm, I, I get skipped over and in, 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 uh, not in a bad way. It's just kind of like, oh, did everybody, did everybody say something? Okay, let's go on. And then I, I get away with it. You're like sitting behind a plant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we didn't learn anything today. That's good. That means we almost know everything. I'll come up with something by the end of the podcast that I learned today. Maybe you'll learn something during the podcast. Just, you know, shoehorn it in back at the beginning and make it all sound seamless. I had a segment called Within Your Reach, and Jim, like, jumped all over. I was like, what is <laughs> yeah, within like, what is within your reach? And you, it was like a tennis ball can or something. Yeah. He's, he's living in the moment, <laughs> right? That's, yeah. I'm not learning anything from it. I'm just, it's there and it's gone. That's it, you know. That would make sense. Have you seen the new Suicide Squad, Jim, by any chance? No. What, have you seen the old? You probably haven't no. seen the old Suicide Squad. You probably don't even know what Suicide Squad is. Uh, sort of. <laughs> There's a great villain. The, the evil character in that movie is doesn't seem to think. It just seems to consume. Yeah, I saw it. I was subjected to it. And, <laughs> and I was trying to remember. You're, you're talking about like the octopus thing or starfish The giant thing? starfish, yeah. Yeah. It's sort of this beautiful, magical thing that just is destroying. Consuming. Rain. Metaphor Consuming. for capitalism or something? I don't know. You might say so. I just thought it was a fun starfish. I mean, I don't have to read anti-American things into everything. Jeez. What's his name, though? I, I thought it was pretty amazing that he pulled off the Star Trek bald giant head thing. Peter Capaldi pulling off the uh, the the bad guy with the uh, you know electrodes on his head and the big giant bald head. Oh yeah, yeah. Did great <laughs> you didn't remember that, huh? He pulled it off so well that it, it just didn't even stick out that there's an actor there with a with a giant bald head with electrodes coming out of it for the whole time. In fairness to me. One of the antagonistic protagonists was a shark man. That's <laughs> so true. <laughs> I'm not sure the guy with the bald head and the electrodes, you know, I, I've kind of, you know, yeah. kind of went all the way in on the shark. So the, the bald headed guy is not too much of a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, if you have, you're kind of thinking, well, how, how am I going to get people to just tolerate the fact that this guy looks like a complete nut job? Oh, I'll put something even more insane there, which is a talking shark man. Yeah, you're right. Kind of makes everything else look normal. And I'll give him Sylvester Stallone's voice. Yeah, I, uh, which I had to tell my child, it's the voice of the guy from Spy Kids 3. I can't remember what version of Spy Kids <laughs> Sylvester Stallone is in. And then he was like, oh, it's amazing how many actors that were in the Spy Kids series. Like you can, oh, Steve Buscemi. Oh! Oh, Steve Buscemi. I think he's in one of the Spy Kids things. Or he's in a, you know, if they're in a kids movie, you know, it's all, it, it really does make them timeless. You know, it gives them a cross-generational appeal. I just have to tell my son, that's the actor from Rambo, First Blood Part 2, First Blood Part 3. Yeah. John Rambo, and then Last Blood. Rambo Jr.? Son of Rambo. You're mixing that up with the Rocky series where they have okay. children involved. But yeah, see, my children have seen all the Rambo movies. Yes. Rick, you know, clearly, Jim, you've fallen down as an uncle. Rick, you've fallen <laughs> down as a father. Not to call that out. Yes. Really depends on what you think good parenting is. <laughs> Did I mention that my son just totaled his car? <laughs> That's right. 
pretending to be Rambo as he, as, <laughs> yeah. as he drove it. Was it a first blood situation or was it a Rambo situation? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Brian Dennehy was chasing him. <laughs> he was trying to drive over the gas pumps so he could blow up the town. I saw right, the, here. I got. Oh, oh no! Go ahead. I was gonna go hot seat. Yeah, let's see. Hot, hot, seat. hot seat. I noticed that we we've gotten seven reviews on Apple Podcasts. Wow. Six five star reviews and one four star review. Oh. <laughs> I also noticed that Rick's other podcast got twenty one reviews, all of them five stars. Wow. <laughs> all right. And so, so my question to to Rick is: Is this podcast? A third as good or slightly less than a third as good as your other podcast? <laughs> Isn't that the same thing? Wait, wait. No. Now you're confusing me. Can I write this down, Alex? Yeah, here we go. <laughs> we got seven reviews, show, six five-star reviews, and one four-star review. I like that you think that this is more of a math problem than it is a subjective <laughs> opinion. I have to show your and work. Then, your other podcast got 21 reviews, all of them five stars. So my question is, is this podcast a third as good or slightly less than a third as good as your other podcast? Well, no, if it's 21 five-star reviews, then it's better. Because if you've got six five-star and one four-star, then yeah, the other podcast is better. Is it three times better or even more than three times? So now I'm confusing myself. I would average... Is it Chris and my fault? Yeah. We each are a half star off. <laughs> well, you can mathematically eliminate, well, you can eliminate me, right? Because right. you're the, I'm the stars. common factor. Well, it could be the absence of Rose, too. Right. It's true. Maybe you're only accountable for 6.8 <laughs> stars. I don't know. I think that would be the case if there were some four or three star reviews for the other podcast because then you could say oh okay the commonality is these four star reviews are for rick i think you can attribute the five star reviews to me because i'm on a five star podcast <laughs> <laughs> or you could say the guy doing the reviews like you know i normally give this podcast four stars because that rick guy but rose really makes me put it to the five star mark if that helps you chris <laughs> I'm okay with that. My son and I just had a conversation about uh, taking compliments, and I have a very and, and I think it's been established on this podcast. I have absolutely no no ability to take positive feedback in a positive way, but negative feedback I I take to heart. Yeah, it destroys you. It doesn't even destroy me. It's just like yeah, yeah. I think that's right. I somehow cannot cling to a positive review and and have that lift me up. So you couldn't even like put on some faux bravado. No, I mean, I, I'm consciously trying to tell myself things are good. I have to spend a lot of time looking at the positive. But I, I think that's just that a lot of people have that problem, right? It's like you pay more attention to the negative. So if you get negative feedback, you, you give that more weight. Yeah, my wife will tell you that I've, every day I've convinced that I was, that's the day I'm getting fired. Today's the day. <laughs> yeah, it's just a personality trait. And so it's, it's learning to not let that rule your life or make you miserable. You know, it must be a survival instinct. It's like, today's the day I'm going to get eaten by that saber-toothed tiger. And like, if you keep thinking that way, you're going to always avoid the tiger. Yeah, if you take an evolutionary biology viewpoint towards it, is, is if you become complacent and you accept, that means that you are leaving yourself open for the tiger to jump out of the tree and 
maul you to death because you're just like, ah, what a beautiful day. I love this. And then you die because you're not thinking, oh, I should be looking around. Something's about to maul me. And so you're fighting your evolutionary state, which is that that humans, I think, maybe are in some ways built to be dissatisfied. Well, they're also built for, you know, to satisfy desires, but then also complacency is not a survival instinct. You have to learn to accept. That's something you have to learn because you're kind of built to survive, even though a lot of us live very protected and safe lives, right? But it's just kind of like, and that's why people sometimes make horrible choices where it's just like, oh, I'm bored. I'm going to blow everything up. At least I'm not, I'm not that kind of person. Around 22 is when I sort of shifted from being the guy who's like, hey, who gives a fuck about life? Let's just blow it all up all the time to, oh no, I better work on things. <laughs> Work on being a productive and decent member of society. All right, question for you, Jim. It's no secret that you rarely initiate interaction. And I think you're too polite to turn me down when I ask you to to hang out. <laughs> and and you, you know that Rick is a well-mannered, cordial introvert, which means that he may be hesitant to initiate interaction and also wouldn't rudely decline an opportunity to do so fuck you (laughs) sorry what so my hot seat question is do you think that characterization of our friendship is accurate that essentially (laughs) we're doing this because you're just too polite (laughs) that's horrible (laughs) i think that's a horrible question i've decided you're a bad person chris just for even asking that (laughs) Rick, Rick's my lawyer. Rick got his law degree in the past couple of weeks. He's, How dare you, sir? It's like a congressional hearing. My client will not answer that question. Leading the witness, Your Honor. No, of course it's not true, Chris. That's all I wanted to hear. I was just priming for some positive feedback. Unlike Rick, I need positive feedback to keep going. <laughs> oh, I, I, I need positive feedback. It's just, I, it doesn't, that's not, yeah, it's even more deranged than that. Where it's like, <laughs> like positive feedback, I do need it, but then it doesn't necessarily lift me up. It just keeps me from crashing. It's just like the chain on the roller coaster. In order to keep going up the hill, it, it, you have to go one link after the other. It doesn't have any exactly. impact other than just keeping you moving forward. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's it's kind of like having that chain, but it's just moving you horizontally, so it's not not even lifting you up. Mm-hmm. To, yeah, there's no hill then at go, the end. Yeah, there's no hill or anything. Drop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just more like having a chain-built horizontal railway system. <laughs> Kansas City. Food-wise, a city famous for its barbecue, but that's about to change. My name is W. Dave Keith, host of the podcast Taco the Town, and I believe that Kansas City is one of the most underrated, underappreciated, up-and-coming taco towns in the USA. On Taco the Town, we will shine a light on all the amazing tacos Kansas City has to offer. Kansas City is a great taco town filled with a variety of untapped taco stylings and flavors, 
And on the Taco the Town podcast, we won't stop until we've tasted every taco in the town. No taco table will go unturned. Each episode, we review a new taco joint with a special guest. We share taco memories, discuss taco topics, and put tacos to the test. We check the latest stories in taco news, and no taco is off the table on Taco the Town. If you love tacos, like I do, you're going to love Taco the Town. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and Google Play. That's Taco the Town. Wow, this is this is a super this is way too episode. much. Yeah, I, I think I think we need to get some fun stuff in here to pad this episode because this. My next question was about Charlie Watts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. Well, it was. When should a band stop? <laughs> when they're all dead, obviously, from the yeah. Stones case, right? Is that going to happen? Yeah. I mean, what is there going to be one one stone left and they're still going to be... Is it going to be like just Mick? It'll be, be the Rolling Stones? Who do you think it will be? Keith. Yeah, <laughs> I think it'll be Keith because Keith's dad just died a few years ago. Keith. Wow. Regardless of what he did to his body, and like I said before, he doesn't eat cheese, but his father... <laughs> lived into his 90s. Wow. I'm trying to remember. I read a little bit about Mick's family. So, I mean, it's entirely possible that it will be Keith. Bill but, uh, Wyman retired, but he's older. I mean, Bill Wyman's like, Charlie Watts was 80 when he died, right, this month. But Bill Wyman, I think, is 84. Does that count? Because he retired? Yeah, that's the thing I was going to say. I have a band where we've changed drummers twice. We keep rolling. You guys changed drummers several times. And guitarists. What member... Like Led Zeppelin, I'd argue they just, they didn't continue, that they stopped. You know, there was some like weird reunions and crap like that. But I, yeah. I, I think they kind of said, look, without Bonham, we can't be Led Zeppelin. I think Robert Plant agrees with you. Everything I've ever read <laughs> from Robert Plant, he, he is definitely agrees with you and is not happy with the reunions and is the reason why they don't play. Was it When, when Giants Roam the Earth? Is that the name of the book? They, they go into that in depth about his hesitance but then they also say that it may not just be a sonic decision but the fact that bonham was the only one who came to his side when his wife and child died mm. and page was off getting high somewhere with a right. book alleged so it could be a personal too but i'd argue you couldn't create zeppelin even with access to every drummer in the world there's no way to replace him do you think that for your band do you think there's somebody in the band where you'd like if they quit we're done <laughs> I I think we're weird. we're strange in that way because I think even though I'm the singer, I don't think I'm necessarily the focus of attention live at least. Yeah. I don't know. I, I watch you live. Yeah. Well, thanks Chris. Again. <laughs> <laughs> not not doing a very good job of accepting yeah, accepting that. It's definitely you and you and Rose, obviously, are yeah. the core thing. So it would be weird without one of you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I also feel like it doesn't really matter. I don't think we're we're not that kind of band, right? Where yeah. it's like if like I'm thinking I'm I'm thinking about the Stranglers. So because the, they, they just they just put out a new record. The the lead singer you know quit what thirty years ago. The original lead singer and the keyboard player passed away due to COVID. And the drummer was was ancient when the band started. He was already in his mid thirties when 
like punk hit. Like <laughs> this, and and so he hasn't performed with the band for ten years because he's. He's in his 80s. He's old. He was older than Charlie Watts, right? Uh-huh. Well, then who's in the Stranglers? Then? The bass player. The bass player. Who, who was an integral part of their sound? He's the only one left now. And so that's strange. But it was also, you know, they, they had hits and everything like that. And they, they can make a living performing. And so there's a reason to keep playing. Makes me think of those charts you see now nowadays. Like on, I think about them as being on Wikipedia pages, but of bands, and when there's like you know thirty people in the band, and they have just yeah. the colored bars with the timeline, and oh, this person was in this band in the band for this long, and that's the only way you can visualize. And there's like thirty people in the band. Probably some kind of way you could use AI or something to predict who is the most important well obviously you could tell it just by looking at it it's like it's the one bar that's been there the whole time or you know but well i'm going to challenge that theory if i looked at the cure for example could i tell who the most important person in the band was by looking at their bars yeah I don't, what's his name just quit right the guy oh yeah who's been in the band for was 40 years bass just, player was quit? it i think Gallup was a bass player somebody who was in the band forever just quit he went in and out though he came in and out I, that was a joke i thought you know because yeah obviously it would be robert smith across because right think. right but um i'm thinking about the beach boys and how they just sold off so they they weren't able to sell off their catalog you know how everyone else is selling off their music all these old rockers are selling off their catalog but since the beach boys since uh the wilson's father sold it off in 1970 because they were washed up he sold off their their <laughs> publishing way early for what less than a million dollars they don't have that to sell but they sold off to irving azoff's company i think they sold off the identity of the band so (laughs) the beach boys it's identity sort of in the future it's like how to monetize it you know 100 years into the future after the death of john stamos's children will be the beach boys at some point (laughs) yeah it's it's not even about who's in the band, right? So yeah, you'd ha- you might have a band performing, but also just in the same way Jimmy Buffett has restaurants, right? Beach Boys restaurants, that, that kind of idea where it, it becomes a brand. Kiss is the same way. Or especially Kiss, you can see at some point they're just being tours and experiences or shows 100 years from now with Kiss. You know, some large multinational corporation owns Kiss, <laughs> right? And they're still manufacturing the uh, caskets, the Kiss caskets, and uh, you know the comic books and the the records, the Kiss experience in Branson. <laughs> so to me, those kind of questions are getting blurrier and blurrier about what a band is. But I guess for us, it's like, yeah, we're we're just a band, and there's not really a lot of. Well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I romanticize like the police couldn't be the police without those three guys together the zeppelin is not zeppelin without those four guys but then and then like i talk about how pavement shouldn't have kicked gary out i felt like he was the heart and soul of that band and losing him they lost some moxie then you get in a band and you get through like the logistical challenges not even like conflicts but just the logistical challenges of keeping four people together playing for over 13 years inevitably somebody's gonna leave they got other shit to do and and you want to keep playing so you just just because some fanboy not that we have fanboys but i'm just saying like just because i don't think the allman brothers really are the allman brothers because there's no real allman brothers in the band anymore that doesn't you know bands want to play music you got to keep going but i would argue it'd be hard without the three front people particularly you and rose it would be hard to kind of push that band forward yeah, don't sell yourself short, Jim. You know, you've been there for 
30 years, right? <laughs> there you go, Jim. You can start your own experience band. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, actually, you know, listening to, I, I listened to a, a record, not to dwell on our bands, but I listened to one of our records and I thought to myself, like lyrically, this is really dark and there's nothing uplifting about this at all. Why would anyone want to listen to this? <laughs> Was Jim on the record? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. This is a late, later, later record. And uh, and I'm thinking, wow, what, what's going on? Are you familiar with punk rock, Rick? I, I am. Or hardcore, or post-hardcore? Do you think that's all rosy day music? Or yeah. And I I do remember the the mother of two thirds of us, you know, saying once, well, why why are there no happy songs? <laughs> well, that was a famous quote from Michael. When he sat me down and said, if you really want people to like your music, maybe you should make it entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (sighs) Your lyrics can be negative, but your songs can be entertaining. That's true. There's tons tons of energy and and fun to be had in your songs, whether you're screaming about, you know, the destruction of all humankind, (laughs) the implosion of the American government. Nobody listens to the lyrics anyways. And I, you know, honestly, I always say that I'm not a lyrics person, you know, it's like, I I think I talked about that in our Rolling Stones episode where it's like, wow, you know, the more I listen and actually sit down and listen to Rolling Stones lyrics, it's like the less I like them, you know, it's like, I, I don't, I think I've enjoyed them a lot. And it's probably because I just don't listen to lyrics, really. They kind of don't stick with me, mm-hmm. oddly. So maybe that's part of it is I just don't even think anyone's listening. Yeah, I don't listen to lyrics at all. In fact, I've had people like say, is this what, you know, this is pretty dark. And I'm just like, look, they're just words. I just said them because I needed to say something therapeutically. And I thought I'd put it in a song because nobody would listen to it. <laughs> exactly. Fortunately, nobody does. So I'm, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, win-win. Music is therapy, Rick. If there were happy songs, maybe your life would be pretty sad. I understand that, and I've come to terms with that. Yeah, that's that's what I have to realize is that it's a part of me, part of me and part of my life and part of my coping mechanism, and I have to just deal with that. I have to accept it, and I have accepted it. It's just, it's just unavoidable. It's part of my life. I'm better off for it because I know people. It makes me sad when people say they don't they don't create anymore, whatever reason. But a lot of times it, it happens in music. It's like, oh, music's ruined for me. They go through the music business, and then all of a sudden, whatever music meant to them has <laughs> lost all joy. Right, and it's just all negative for them. And so for me, it's, it, that's not true. Yes, I'm kind of moving along on that train with the chain horizontally. <laughs> and then you look at Robert Smith, right? He's been happily married for 35 years or something. If you listen to his songs, you'd think he's been on the edge of suicide for yeah. 40 years now. Either he's a sham or that's <laughs> part of his therapy. I think it's both. Speaking of music, Rick, would you like to tee up our upcoming film for our last canonical episode of lost and found and rewound if i don't it won't end <laughs> if i refuse we'll just keep taping and i'll just be sitting here in this room look i love doing this it's just the editing's getting yeah no, it takes a lot of time <laughs> i know i've been doing a, a lot more editing it's torturous it is very difficult editing all right the film we're going to be talking about is diva a french Oops, my call ends in 10 minutes. A French new, new wave film from 1981. And I did say new, new wave. So that was kind of one of the conceits. There was the French new wave, but then there was this 80s new, new wave, which I think was just Diva, right? (laughs) Were there other films in that? I mean, I feel like Diva was just a... Presumptuous 
trying to start a whole new movement. Yeah, popular in outside of France movie. 16-year-old hipster bait. <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I finally finished watching a cat from outer space. No, you <laughs> watched it us. without us. Yeah, I had to. Oh, now I can go watch it. It's got excellent stunts. I mean, amazing. Oh, yeah. Helicopter and biplane stunt at the end. It goes on wow. for about 10 minutes, and it's real. <laughs> and it's pretty amazing. I was kind of shocked. I didn't really remember it for, as a child. I think a lot of people cite Cat from Outer Space as one of the best examples of pre-CGI special oh, effects yeah. and stunts. <laughs> well, did you answer your question about Cat from Outer Space from the earlier episodes? See, no, I haven't watched DT recently. The research has just begun. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even finished the, the uh, novel, The Cat from Outer Space, which I do have. Have you seen the film E.T.? Yes, but only once in the theater when it was released. I'll have to watch them both side by side with the audio on, you know, maybe in one ear, the movie, one movie in the other ear, and just do it that way. Dark Side of the Moon, <laughs> playing behind them. Yeah, and a center speaker. Or maybe just animals. Maybe animals is the album you sync to the cat from outer space. Around the same time, right? Yeah. There's a new animals box set, right? Like, Is there really? Yeah, the one Pink Floyd album you don't really care about. I find it to be the least Pink Floyd album I think about the least out of all of them. And yet it's going to have this giant reissue with outtakes. Are you crazy? That's the best Pink Floyd album. I like the delay, that, right? It's got one of the songs that has the delay going through it the whole time. There's like a word that repeats like with tape delay or maybe it's oh, another yeah. digital delay. There is something like that on there. I mean, I thought you were talking about da -dun, da -dun, da -dun. there's that one on Echoes. There's that song right. on Echoes. I love the cover art. Yeah. It's the one Pink Floyd album that I can listen to now, I guess is no. the way I would review it. Like, I can't listen to The Wall anymore. I can't listen to Dark Side of the Moon anymore. Final Cut, give me a break. No chance. Piper at the Gates of Dawn, shit. <laughs> no, well, those are good records, but I mean, like, of the Gilmore era, Pink Floyd, I'd say Animals yeah. is the one I can go back to. And it's, it's yeah, no, record. no, I understand. You're one of those people that doesn't think the Sid Barrett era counts as Pink Floyd. Right. Back to our previous conversation. <laughs> that was a different band, and then there was Pink Floyd 2, the sequel, and then there was Pink Floyd yeah. 3, which was really bad, because that didn't have Roger yeah. Waters or Sid Barrett. <laughs> That, that was just embarrassing. You guys agree, right? Silence is <laughs> compliance. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. I, I feel like this is, this is going to be... Well, it'll be good. It'll get people to really look forward to the ending of this series, I think. <laughs> if, if this, if this uh, little preview is, is just this deep, dark rut, <laughs> they're going to be like, okay, yeah, maybe it is time to be finished with this. I think we're going to find that this has been hilarious. <laughs> I hope it elevates. I hope it comes across as an enjoyable segment. We have gotten a lot of notes from folks saying they didn't want the show to end, that they really enjoyed the show. They like listening to us. I, and I'll say, there's a British TV show called, um, Jim, you probably know it. It's called The Office. Uh, <laughs> and after it finished, it's, I think, two seasons. Uh, they came back with some with a special, a Christmas special. So we're going to, you know, we're, there's okay, a very yeah. sort of, European or BBC vibe to what we're doing here. And so we'll come back with some specials. I've got them listed here. Uh, 1999 versus SOTT as an yeah. episode. We've got Hereditary versus Exorcist 3. 
We've got <laughs> the intruder drum sound, and then we've got Rick watches the entire Human Centipede franchise, <laughs> Clockwork Orange style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully I'll be in the wheelchair drifting away by then. <laughs> I will say, Rick, don't watch Human Centipede 2. I, I mean that sincerely. I joke about you watching horror films and how it'd be okay. That one's really not okay. You think I wouldn't understand it because it's the sequel? <laughs> right. Uh, no, sorry. What I meant to say was, Rick, don't watch Human Centipede 2 without watching Human Centipede first. <laughs> All right. I'll make sure. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure from what little I've heard and seen and read that will not be on my viewing list unless I ha- in the retirement home they happen to have it on the TV. <laughs> Richard, Richard, do you want to watch a digital video disc? How about this one? This one sounds you like nature films. How about this one? Human centipede. We'll put that on for you. I'll put this in. I'll leave you here and I'll come back in two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reminded of the uh, Leonard Cohen. Have you heard the last Leonard Cohen album? The record he made while he was dying. And and there's a song like, You Want It Dark. I remember watching that David Bowie video and just thinking, I feel like I'm watching a snuff film here. (laughs) Oh, You Want It Darker, We Kill the Flame. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. He probably didn't take kindly to positive feedback either. I'm imagining. <laughs> That's right. I think of myself as in the company of Leonard Cohen. <laughs> I guess if you're on your deathbed, there's really nothing anybody can say to cheer you up. Yeah, and, and you know, if you, you go away for 10 years to a Buddhist retreat and, and then come, come back home and find out that your manager stole all your money and you have to <laughs> play shows and go on tour again, even though you don't want to. It makes a jaded person even more jaded. Oh, we're, we're about to... We're going to go. We're going to go. Uh-oh. I can see the clock ticking. All right, we'll say. <laughs> we love you, everybody. Thank you for listening. That was fun. Yeah, it was great. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs> see you later. And that's it. The Google Meet call goes dead. And I sit... Lotus Pod.